Blog Talk Radio. Well, good morning, friends. This is Dr. Deb Carlin here at the K Factor, where K equals kindness, and the factors are all the things that lead to it. It is a gorgeous, and I mean to tell you, gorgeous day here in St. Louis, Missouri. I think it's about 10 degrees outside, and it's sunny, and it's cold, and we have snow, which I think is fabulous, because come on. It's winter time. Now, if you're feeling bummy about the snow, let me just tell you something. You need to go to my Facebook pages at Deb Carlin and Deborah Carlin and watch my videos and come on out in the snow and play. Wear layers. Warm yourself up before you head out. But really, wearing layers is the secret. As a Chicago girl, I can tell you, I grew up wearing layers. So get some good compression wear, like from Tommy Copper. And get some good leggings, whether you're a man or a woman. Get Tommy Copper, layer it with some leggings, put a pair of sweats on over that if you're really a chilly billy, and do the same thing up on top. And wear some good gloves and mittens and a scarf and a cap of some sort and a vest or a jacket, something that's loose enough that you can get out there and move around. Grab a sled or a saucer, find a hill and go flying down it and laugh your butt off and just have a glorious, glorious time of it. You know, during the winter, people talk about how, oh, I hate the winter, it's so dark, it's so dark, the days are so short. Well, excuse me, as of December 21st, which is the winter solstice, the days start getting longer and we get a really bright sun And when there is snow outside, everything is brighter because that white surface reflects the light so beautifully. I mean, you have to wear sunglasses more in the wintertime than you do in the summer. So snap your head around in a completely different direction if you're a negative person about the winter and tune into my voice about why you should be happy about the winter. You know, here's here's how this ties into today's topic here on the K-Factor, because what we're talking about is kindness in health care. And my question for you is, in today's big business of health care, does it matter if there's kindness at the core of the care? <coughs> I am so sorry. The one thing about winter, I can tell you, is I need more humidity in my house because I end up with a dry throat that I take with me everywhere. My apologies for that. So what does kindness at the core of healthcare have to do with anything? Oh, my goodness, <clears throat> everything. And this ties directly to build the strength within, and here's how, and here's why. When you don't feel well, what do you want? First reaction running through your head. I want someone to take care of me. I want somebody to make it better. I want some way to just have somebody bring me some soup or give me a blankie or just turn off the lights or just keep everyone away. We want care. When we don't feel well, we can do self-care, but, and some of us, when we don't feel well, we really want to be left alone. But at some moment, you really want somebody to step in and take care of you and make it all better. Like 
your mom did or your dad did or whoever it was who was your care provider when you're a little teeny tiny wee person. When we step into a physician office, too often it is not thought-filled. It's a business environment. And we are frustrated if we have to go and sit with a bunch of other people who are hacking away and looking sick and feeling sick and we're crummy, we've had to get dressed to get there and just feels yucky and maybe we don't like the receptionist and who knows what all. And we're mad because we have to pay for it and maybe we are scared. It's just a drag. And walking into a hospital for tests, they're making these huge monolithic hospitals with gigantic garages you have to park in and then you have to go on a long hike like you're in Colorado trekking through the mountains in order to get to wherever it is you need to be. It's difficult, and it feels like it is the opposite of kindness because it gets so complicated. Well, what we want in healthcare, and you can find it, by the way, there are still small hospitals and there are still physician practices that are friendly and lovely. You need to network to find out where are they, who are they, and you'll find them. The point is you need to develop a relationship with whoever it is who's going to deliver your health care. I have a relationship with my dentist, with my physicians, and I want them to know me in my state of wellness so that they know... The difference between me, Dr. Deb Carlin, when I'm well and when I'm not. Heaven forbid the times when I am not. But too often people only go racing to see their doctors when there's a problem and they present themselves as either pathetic or depressed or crabby. And that's how we all are when we're sick. I am not a piece of love and joy when I am dealing with flu symptoms or I've gotten a case of bronchitis or, like I've had the last couple of years, and I'm so grateful that I don't this year, have a case of some sort of a throat virus that I have laryngitis for weeks and weeks and I'm sentenced to complete silence. I'm tearful and I'm scared. I want the people who I turn to for my health care to really care. So I present and lead with a kindness, a desire to make the connection, to know who that person is, to have them know who I am so that I can elicit from them the compassion that I know that it's going to take for me to resume my state of well-being again. If you are going to a physician and you're thinking, yeah, but they've only got 10 minutes scheduled for me, then put in the request for two appointments back-to-back and pay the fee. One of the things that we have been very unkind about in this culture here in America is the myth that somehow we are entitled to health care. Like, we don't have to pay for it. It's free. It's not free. The worst thing that's happened in our culture is the idea of insurance. 
because when we entered insurance into the picture, it became big business. We thought we didn't have to pay attention anymore to the cost of things because we were paying an insurance premium. They would deal with it. The insurance company thought to themselves, we're in this for business. We're here to make money. We will set the fees. We will determine how much we're going to pay, and it will be in line with our business plan. All understandable, but not necessarily helpful for the consumer or the healthcare providers. So things have really gotten carried away. I look for a way to get health care that is personalized. And I, I avoid a lot of the things that people indulge in routinely, but I also engage in doing everything I possibly can to have a state of well-being. And I haven't always achieved it. I've had my own sadness, my own heartbreak, my experiences with illness. When I was in my early 20s, I was diagnosed with a terminal disease that was horrifying and really scary. I had open lesions in my lungs, and every time I cleared my throat, I got a mouthful of blood. It was terrifying. What did I do? I took a long journey working with two healthcare providers that were my instructors in learning acupuncture. Now, this goes back a long time. I'm talking about the late 70s. So this is a long time ago before acupuncture was something that was really present in our American society. It certainly has been in China for the last 5,000 years. But here in America, it didn't have much in the way of a presence. So I worked with my Chinese acupuncture physicians, and I, and I worked with a physician who was an internal medicine doctor who was a good friend of theirs, and so I had the best of Eastern and Western medicine, and I resisted doing the things that intuitively and logically felt intrusive and invasive and like they would be things that would corrupt my body, not heal me. These are very personal decisions that each individual has to make. But when you have a relationship that has care and compassion on the inside of it, what happens is you make these decisions in the context of a kind relationship where there is love and compassion. Now, if any care provider that you go to tells you that they can't get involved, they can't get invested, they need to keep it distant, they need to take nine steps back from you, then you need to ask yourself if this is somebody who you want putting their hands on you for healing. Because the impact, the power that the healer has upon the patient is something that you can find an incredible amount of literature about. People like me have written about it, and there are certainly far more successful authors than me who have written about this. But the impact of the healer on the patient is notable. And you need to surround yourself in your life while you are well with people who will genuinely care about you when you are ill because the you who is well is so lovely and so kind and so alive that they are invested in preserving that. It makes good logical sense. And if you're caring for others, whether it is 
your parents and people who are senior to you or it is your own children who are junior to you, this is something that we should work towards collectively. And this is the kind of healthcare revolution that we should be talking about in our culture. Not how to get it for free. One of the other things that I always recommend for people is that you have a good working relationship with whoever your pharmacy is. Get to know your pharmacy, your local pharmacy. More and more of them, unless you go to a big chain and you go to them because it's convenient or your shopping price, which I understand, it is still worth it for you to cultivate a relationship with the pharmacist and find out what it is that they think you as a consumer need to know about the medication that you're taking, over-the-counter or it's prescribed. Over-the-counter meaning those things like Tylenol that you can just walk in and get. I also recommend that you go to a pharmacist who is the owner of the establishment because they don't have the same parameters on them in terms of the kind of dialogue that they are free to have with you and the recommendations that they can make with you. These people are not going to overstep their bounds, but they're going to be able to talk to you more comfortably about the kinds of things that they see as being helpful if you're taking this drug, if you do these additional things. And they've got really fabulous ideas because My experience is these people are so invested in their business. They're so invested in the people who they want to be helpful to. Pharmacists are also health care providers. They care about the health and the well-being of the people who are in their midst. Here in St. Louis, so that you can go online and look at at examples of this, whether you're in St. Louis, Missouri, or you're elsewhere, There's two pharmacies that I really particularly like here in St. Louis. One of them is Jennifer's Pharmacy in Clayton, Missouri. Fabulous, unique setting. Look at that and see if you can't find that in your community or if you're in this community, I encourage you to visit it. The other is Ledoux Pharmacy, and they've got a couple of different locations. They're reopening one here in University City. The people who own it, In both cases, both of these establishments are very personable and they're boutique-like. They have all kinds of things to offer to you in the way of purchases that you can make and also in the way of information that you can get that is more personalized when you go in there for your visits. Now to the core about building the strength within. One of the most important things for us to remember, and I I keep finding this from my own personal experience as well as in my professional work. When we're talking about health and health care, one of the things that is absolutely essential for us to pay attention to is the reality that when we're talking about illness of any sort, we are indeed talking about disease. And if you break that into the two components that it is, it's dis-ease. No matter what it is that is your health care issue, there's something that you are in a state of dis-ease about in your mind, in your heart, 
in your spirit. Stop and think about it for a moment. You cannot divorce yourself away from your body. You cannot divorce yourself away from your mind. We think all the time. People are trying to escape from their thoughts all the time. This is a habit that we desperately need to interrupt. Do not try to run from your mind. Do not try to escape from what you're thinking or what you're feeling. Sit right in the middle of it. This is important. Drinking, taking drugs, and I mean drinking alcohol, drinking alcohol to get higher, to get drunk, taking drugs to get high, incessantly being on the phone, incessantly having music playing in your ears. It's all an attempt to try and escape what it is that you're thinking and you're feeling. You cannot get away from it, not successfully, because it is a part of you. It is a component It is a reflection. It is a symptom. It is a signal about what it is that's going on inside of you that you actually really need to tune into and attend to. This is not difficult to do. And here on the K-Factor, as well as on my website on drdebgarland.com, I have got all kinds of audio and video for you to watch where I am talking to you about this topic in polite, frivolous ways, and then in deeper ways in the Series 16, which is 16 videos about building your inner strength that you can tune into for free. And at the end of each of those, there's a relaxation exercise that I walk you through. There's great cinematography and beautiful music that's playing. And I am walking you through something that is beautiful. When you learn how to do this relaxation exercise, what you are doing is you are harnessing your mind. You are lovingly grabbing hold of your head as though you are putting your two hands on your skull. Do that right now as you're listening to me. Put your hands on your head as though you are holding the most precious gift on the planet, the most precious gift in the universe, because indeed you are. Your mind is your everything, everything. And the connection between your mind and your body is enormous. It's huge. So when we become uncomfortable with something and we push it away, we push it, we push it, we push it, Our body reacts to that. We have so much literature that makes this clear to us, an example of which is research that's been done with people who have ulcers. Now, you would think that when somebody goes to sleep at night that they relax. Not always. If that were the case, 
why then would people wake up from a nightmare? And every human being has had some sort of a dream that's a nightmare, something startling that's interrupted their sleep and woken them up. When we do research measuring the amount of activity in the gut with somebody who has an ulcer, we see that when we are sleeping and our unconscious and subconscious mind are free to roam because we don't have any stimulation from the outside world. Ulcers can sometimes exacerbate because we are indeed not relaxed. We are indeed not resting. Why is that? Because during the day, when we have the opportunity to work with our mind and be one with ourselves and train our mind like you would train a new puppy to go potty outside. You have to put a leash on your mind and tell it where you want it to go and direct the energy and the activity of your thoughts. It's the most important thing in your entire life that you will ever learn to do. We know that when cancer patients come in for chemotherapy or for radiation treatments, it is so beneficial if they have an activity that they can put their mind into that is going to get them centered and peace-filled, not running away from themselves, but focused on the self, directing the mind to quiet down, to think about the ways in which the treatment is attending to every cell in their body that is out of sync, that is out of healthy function, and to restore it. We know from studying yogis, the Tibetan monks, people who live up in the Himalayas, I work with a Tibetan monk here in the United States, Lama Lapsang Paulden. These people who have studied for their entire life how to control their mind tell us fabulous stories about how it is that they can do things with their body. And we can witness this. You can now Google the stories of yogis and see the amazing things that they can do because of the power of their mind. At some of my events, I will have Laba Lapsang, Paulden, present to not just do yoga and exercises with people, but to do talking so that people can hear his story about how he was able to walk from Tibet to India. Take a look at a globe, take a look at a map, and you'll see what that trek is like. And he talks about the ways in which he needed to figure out how he would stay warm as he was walking. He didn't have blankets. There were no hotel reservations. How did he do that? He did that with the power of his mind. He did that with what it is he knows how to do with yoga. If you are cold, if you are in the snow, 
Do you need to be called? No. You can use the power of your mind to do your yoga exercises, your meditations, to increase your body temperature. It sounds fascinating, but it's true. With the relaxation response exercise that I teach people, I teach people how they can do this relaxation exercise, which, by the way, was invented by Dr. Herbert Benson, who is a cardiologist from Harvard. doesn't get much better than that. And he has demonstrated, and I have replicated, how we can teach people, unless they have severe organic damage to their organs, We can teach people how to lower their heart rate and their blood pressure doing the relaxation response exercise. It's written about in my book, Build the Strength Within. It's on my website. You can read about it, and you can listen to the audio and watch the videos. So let's bring this back around full circle in today's big business of healthcare. Does it matter if there is kindness at the core of the care? If your answer is anything other than yes, I'm going to invite you to reconsider that once you listen to this whole episode and dive into the materials that I'm inviting you to review. And on that note, I'm going to wish you Peace and happiness in a joyful, contented remainder of the day. This is Dr. Deb Carlin signing out from the K Factor, where K equals kindness, and the factors are all the things that lead to it. Have a really blessed day.